When you get to a place where you're like, I'm in love with this person, you're already in the game. So if this is where you're at and it's toxic or unhealthy or abusive, then this is where you get help. This is where you call in the support teams. Nobody can get out of those things alone. But if you are in this situation and you're in love and you know your relationship is healthy and it scares the shit out of you because it's actually healthy, I think like those are the moments where it's like, okay, this is where my relationship with self gets tested. And as a woman, the ability to surrender and soften and to finally take a big deep breath Mm -hmm. and to have that surrender and that peace I think all of us are looking for it hi I'm Colleen Nelson licensed therapist trauma expert and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you this podcast let the rest burn is for the woman who has ignored attacked or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed it's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire her joy her full power and make the impact she was destined to make for the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting watching and witnessing the world crumble and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself, and she let the rest burn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Let the Rest Burn. I'm Coco Nelson, and I am here with Laura Patricia Martin. She is a trauma-informed relationship specialist and founder of Healing to Happy. She is amazing. I've been watching her content recently and literally eating it up. I cannot. I love the way you show up online, and I cannot wait to have her here on the podcast for you all so you can hear her amazingness yourself. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much. It's so nice to like actually sit down and see you. (laughs) Right? I know. I know we've been contacting each other kind of back and forth through the stories and messages. She's a brilliant marketer. I'm watching you do these things. I'm like, yes, that's how you package a course. Nicely done. Right? (laughs) I'm just uh, geeking out on her capacity to show the world who she is and what you have to offer. Laura, I would just love to hear a little bit about like who you are, who you serve. You know, give us your sweet little fun elevator pitch. <laughs> Tell us who you are. <laughs> ah, it's always so much pressure. It's like, how do I, com- I like compile like who I am in two yes. minutes? Okay, let's go. It's like, <laughs> I like Prosecco and oysters and I have the best relationship and like all these things, but... Um... <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> it's, and it's the same way, like the conversation we were just having earlier. It's like, I'm so much more than what my title is. Yes. And it's yes. like, and I really want people to know the human behind that. Like, yes, there's this wisdom. And yes, there was a journey of getting here of overcoming domestic violence and eating disorder and chronic illness and sexual assault and all this stuff that now my brain is like, wee. And <laughs> it's just that, like people that want to overcome their journey. Like not even Mm. now for me, like it gets to the point that like, it's not a, it's a part, obviously it's like a little badge on my sweater, but it's not the full picture of who I am. And I, and I help people evolve to getting there. So moving from this like survivor complex into this like full human that no longer is attached to this past story of themselves. Mm. The complexity of not of the whole human and not being attached to this past version, I think is something we're definitely going to get into today because I ask the question often on this podcast about what you had to burn to get to where you are. But I also think it's, you know, how do you actually like let go and fully move into this new identity and allow the complexity of this to develop without feeling like you have to like keep burning? And I do 
I do firmly believe in like change and evolution of self, but it doesn't have to be as hard as it was in the past, right? We don't, we don't have to, life doesn't have to be hard all the time. It is hard, but it doesn't have to be hard all the time. So when you, you know, you have a story, I know you have a story, right? But when you think about, I'm going to say recently, we'll talk recent and then we'll, and then we'll go past. When you think recently, like in the last six months, what have you had to burn or let go of in order to be who you are today sitting here talking to me? Mm. So in the last six months, I have deepened into my partnership with mm. my man. And in that, I've had to be vulnerable in different ways because the thing about a healthy love is they'll see straight through all your shit. Like there is no, and like as a CEO, you have all this, like you have an identity online, right? This perfect yeah. thing, vision, this whatever. And I have carried that with me in all of my relationships because I was like, mm-hmm. I, how can I outrun my past? Oh, let's be a perfect little human being. And that Oof. never works. And so <laughs> partnership, I've um, entered into it and it was like, I said, I love you first. And he didn't say it back. And most people will get up. Now he has, obviously he's in love with me. Duh. But <laughs> it, it, it opened up this plot, this arena of like, what does love mean to you? And then we were in this conversation. He's like, you know, babe, like, it's not that I'm not falling in love with you. He's like, but there's a part of you you're not letting me in on. And I don't even know the right question to ask. And when someone that you love so much says something like that to you, it is your, like, I'm like, you're not wrong. I just don't know what the fuck it is. Like, I, I have no yeah. idea what that is. Let me go find out. Like, as, as opposed to being yes. like old, be, old, like teenage self, like that archetype being like, you don't know, da, 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 like all this stuff. And I'm like, and I did kind of at first, I was like, I mean, babe, like, what do you like, what do you need to know? I'm like, you know, I have a history, you know, I have big T trauma in my, and like listed off the things that have happened. And he's like, it's not like what happened to you. It's like, what is going on with you because of that? Like there's some part of me that mm. or some part of you that you haven't opened up to that. And so I've had to really sit with that. And it's been this like, not new version of self, just like this expanded, softer version of myself. And he he makes the joke where he's like, yeah, when I first met you, it was like, you're so refined. And I was like, then what the heck do you describe me as now? He's like, <laughs> he's like, I mean, like, you're just the softest human that I could ever imagine. Like, I would, you just, it's not what I would expect. And I was like, you mean I'm still refined, right? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I do want some refinement. <laughs> exactly. But like to know that it's like, I get to be soft with my man and like, I get to yes. be a CEO other departments and I get to be strong in this this arena and I know that I have my own back but like in partnership it's this different form of and like true partnership that I think we're lacking right nowadays like deep intimacy it's like how can I actually be open to you to fully hold my heart and know that I hold it too but like to actually let you in which is this new form that I've just had to completely bust wide open and burn to the ground and just like trust like full trust mm. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you some questions about this, and then we'll get in. We'll get into some of your past too. But yeah. how did you know that if you opened up this part of yourself, he was going to be somebody that could hold all of you? See, that's still something, right? It's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're never gonna know. You're never gonna know. know, and it's it's this part. <laughs> I've had to build up this trust with self. And I have this yes. because I went through a knees on the floor breakup a year ago, and. Mm-hmm realizing through that this new version of myself came my favorite chapter of my life came and I was like if I you know you would think the survivor moments would be because of like domestic violence and all that kind of stuff but it was it was that moment of like oh like I I got me because mm. I like he was just a value add he's not the value 
I'm the value. Yes. I'm the foundation. Yes. My love that I have for myself. And yes, of course, sometimes I do have to borrow the way I see him. You, you know, this is therapist. You have to, sometimes if you don't have your childhood, you have to borrow the way and mirror back different kind of love and things like that. And I do borrow that from him sometimes, but at the core, he's not the root of why I love myself. So mm. I, I can open myself up and I've had to rewire that and relearn that, that I don't have to earn the love that I already have the love that he's just, a, he's just an added bonus. And, you know, even if he were to, you know, something can happen. It doesn't even have to be like something can just happen and I will still be okay. Will my heart hurt? Yes. But does, do I know that I can survive? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've survived every fucking hard thing that's ever happened. And so just building that continuous trust again and again and again, that takes time, especially with like deep trauma wounds and codependency and trauma bonds and things like that, that like that little version of yourself will kind of play into it. But like capital S, like internal family systems, you know, capital S self is there to be like, baby girl, we got this. We, we are no longer a teenager and struggling and doing these things. Like we're okay. And like continually kind of revisiting those parts so that he, a big thing with like our relationship is like, I don't want it to be my therapist. I don't want him to be Mm -hmm. that. revisit that stuff outside of the context of our union so that Mm -hmm. he does get that version of me trying to trust him and like literally last night I'm gonna be like last night we literally had like a little tiff because it was like he's like you are telling me you don't trust me and I haven't done anything like it goes in those ways because we're so fucking human but like they're so human we're so human, even though this is our field. Like I am still human. Yeah. I still jealous. <laughs> I still have to borrow his strength sometimes. It's fucking okay. Yeah. But at the core of it, it's like, do I really trust him? Yes. But really how I trust him because I trust me. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really profound statement. And that's why I asked that question because I get this so often. Well, I just haven't found the right guy or you know, um, I've been burned so many times or so many, so many relationships have failed and I just want to protect myself. So as soon as I know that they are safe and okay, as soon as I know that they're trustworthy, then I will soften. And there's a layer of that that's okay. There's a, there's a piece. I want you to have boundaries, everybody, right? Like, yes, like let's be discerning in the beginning stages of filtering people in and out of, of your, of access to you right? But when you get to a place where you're like, I'm in love with this person, or I I love this person, this is, you're already in the game, right? You're already there. So if this is where you're at, and it's toxic or unhealthy or abusive, then this is where you get help, right? This is where you, you, you call in the support teams. Nobody can get out of those things alone. But if you are in this situation and you're in love and you know your relationship is healthy and it scares the shit out of you because it's actually healthy. I'm so excited for that moment. I want to be scared shitless by the health of my love relationship. Please, universe, bring it. I am magnetizing that, please. Um, I'll, I will jump for joy with the boredom that I feel, right? But... <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think like those are the moments where it's like, okay, this is where my relationship with self gets tested. This is not where my relationship with him gets tested. I mean, yes, it does, but it really is about the relationship I have with myself. And as a woman, the ability to surrender and soften and to finally take a big, deep breath. We've been holding our breath since we were like 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And to have that surrender and that peace, I think all of us are looking for it. Men as well, but you know, speaking specifically to women, there's just this like I can see it as this tightness of just holding it all together, waiting for that release. And it uh-huh. sounds to me like you are blossoming into that space, which is really beautiful. Please show us the way. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, it, it is scary. Like that's the thing is like yeah. you, it, yeah. this is why I really emphasize. And I know we spoke about this before the call where it's like doing the work before this, like in mm-hmm. relationship, but the truth is you're doing the work again in relate, no matter mm-hmm. how much work you do and your singleness, you're revisiting it. The reason you do it in your singleness is because now you have the tools and you do it a little bit faster and you're no longer projecting onto this poor little soul that's sitting in front of you. You can actually hold yourself. But like the thing about partnership is, is the vulnerability. Can I vulnerably Mm. share with you that I'm scared and that Mm -hmm. I have concerns that I'm not miss independent, even though I'd Mm. like to joke to myself that I fucking am. Like, can (laughs) I tell you that? Like I'm triggered right now. And like a really big thing is the self awareness, right? To be able Mm -hmm. to sit and go, I know this isn't yours especially when you've been through trauma. So I yes. have, you know, the trauma bonds, the, but like also I have the part where it's like every partner I've ever been with has cheated on me up mm. until this man. And he, he, he obviously has not, but after my last breakup, it was, that's where I started to do this internal work where it was like, what am I yes. attracting here? But I still have those insecurity in this relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. to be able to say to him, not in a needy way, not in a broken, it's your thing to fix way of mm-hmm. this This is an insecurity I have. And baby, like, I know it's not yours, but is there a way that we can collaborate on this? So there's a little bit more stability within my nervous system as I work through this through therapy, because I'm not trying to work through this in our relationship. I'm doing that outside of the relationship, but there's certain things within our relationship that are activating me. Can you, can Mm. you help? Like you're a team with your partner. Like that's Mm. the thing. Like There's a way of communicating it from a space of like, neediness where they have to fix you and we're kind of stuck in that daddy issue era of like mm-hmm. kind of energy in this like we're a team and let's collaborate on this and I'm vulnerably opening up to you that I you know I have been carrying and holding my breath and I feel like I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and I'm kind of fucking tired so yes. instead of being the quote-unquote cool girl who is supposed mm-hmm. to be cool with all the things that you're doing and all the so kind of stuff, easy going whatever exactly. no like the thing about the feminine is like one, understanding your hormones, you go through more emotions in a day than they do in their entire fucking lifetime. And two, <laughs> it's like being able to hold that like and communicate that effectively and being okay with you know having emotions. And this is where understanding the difference between men and women really help where it's like, you aren't the cool girl. You hormonally aren't the cool girl. Like you have a lot of fucking emotion pumping through your body. And it's like, mm-hmm. can you have your partner let in on that a little bit so that they can mm-hmm. hold it instead of like emasculating them being like oh, I got this and then all of a sudden you're bitter and upset and you're saying shit you don't yes. mean like it's it yes. really is this art form that happens I you know my favorite metaphor and I'm trying I think I can't remember the source of this so I will put it in the show notes and I remember it but it's it's a book is it called the art of masculinity it might be but this metaphor about how the masculine or men are the oak tree right The roots are their values, what they care about, how they root to themselves and root into this world, this world that we're in. Their trunk is their boundaries and their capacity to protect themselves and to keep themselves healthy. Their branches are their connections, their social networks, their interests, the things that they enjoy. Their flowers and their fruit are their, you know, pomp and and flair, their sweet Jordans, their their cologne, you know, whatever whatever they want to kind of magnetize a little bit. And we are the storm. We can have we we have this beautiful way to just have this light breeze and wrap them in some warmth. We can give them nourishment with rain. We can blow as hard as possible trying to knock that tree over. We can move the leaves as they're ready to die off the tree so that new growth can come with our wind, right? Like there's so much that women can do to create and shape that tree, but ultimately 
it's still an oak tree rooted in the earth. And there's something really powerful about being the storm and being that wild, abandoned, free woman that can storm as she does for growth, right? We typically storm towards growth and to have that rootedness that we come back to. It's a really beautiful dance between the two. So that's, I think, when we when we talk about the, the masculine and the feminine, we want to feel free to be the storm. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be the oak tree. That's not who we are. Exactly. And it, and it's one of those things too. It's like, I think we kind of get it twisted as well. Cause then in partnership, you're spending so much time complaining and being bitter mm-hmm. and yelling mm-hmm. when like, it's not that that doesn't have a place. Like I, I teach it in my program, sacred rage and emotional honesty and yes. things like that. But like, I love sacred rage. You're same. Like your, <laughs> your art is your joy. And like the mm-hmm. thing, especially with this big like boss babe mm-hmm. movement that's happening is we've lost touch with our joy mm-hmm. and we're trying to be like these hairless men that are running around mm-hmm. and trying to be strict <laughs> and like when we are in partnership it's just we're con- like our amygdalas are just fucking lit up and we're just scanning mm-hmm. for red flags and we're living from our trauma and we're forgetting like the thing I love about my relationship, like I say it all the time, I'm like, it feels like I'm a teenager again. Like if like mm. I've done so much work that yes, I have triggers. And I hear this with my clients as well, where it's like, I can love without the lens of my past getting in the way. And therefore mm. it's like your first love. And the reason your first love is so memorable because there's no shit to compare it to. Like it, it's this gorgeous yes. thing. It's just like, ah, I'm not even worried about it. Like I'm forever, buy me a promise ring. We're going to last forever. Like it's all these things <laughs> And then all of a sudden we get to this age and you're like, I've had my heart broken 8,000 times. So therefore I'm going to scan and make sure that you don't represent anyone from my past. And it's like, that's exhausting for everyone. So it's like, can you start to witness things and get into this like space of clarity within your union? So you're no longer just nitpicking them and mothering them. Like you could be nurturing, but like mothering is very different and they don't need that. No one needs that Mm -hmm. except for your kids. Like, you know, like that's it. That's even think about it when you're like hugging your kid and nurturing them and like feeling like a mother, it's so much different than scolding them because their shoelaces and all their shits on the floor. And like, it's, it's just different energies. And it's like, and you can see how the kids respond to you. Like we're all the same way. And it's like, when you can come into your relationship in the space of like joy and delight, watch Mm. how your needs get met and how they want to love you and how they want to be this oak tree and how they want to have the branches. Like it's all these different parts that come to play when you tap into your joy and you find your way back home to yourself without the lens of your past getting in the way to interrupt all that. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so how did you do this? How did you get through first, you know, first of all, to the degree of which you feel comfortable, you know, what is the past stuff you've had to navigate? And how did you get to this place of accessing joy? I think everybody wants to know, you know, I think a lot of people think I'm too broken or my trauma is too big or my trauma is too small, whatever it is. But like, I I won't be like Laura. I'm not going to find that person because A, B, and C, right? So I'd love for you to share your story just so people know you're real. (laughs) and that like you've been through some shit and that it is possible because you get to be that role model and that guiding light for those of us that are still in the dark cave. Yeah. And it's also moving through that, you know, victim to survivor complex. It's knowing that like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like 
and something I even had to say, like when I first started dating my partner, and then I'll tell my story. Like when I first started dating my partner, it was like, I spent the first Christmas with his family and I don't come from a family like that. Like I, you know, I, my inner child was kicking and screaming and I was like, I don't know how to sit here. And I laid in bed on Christmas night and I cried and I was like, I feel like I'm too broken to belong to a family like this. And like, it's still there. Like, and I want to say that in a humanist that it's like, I have done the work and there is a constant revisiting and I have the tools. Like it's this part where it's like, I feel this. It's not that this is actually me. Like there's a sensing in my body and that's the somatic work. It's not the actual truth of my being. And I can identify that. But my story, I mean, starts (laughs) college, a nasty sexual assault case. And then from there, just really detached from my body and got very angry. Um, And then my parents had a nasty divorce and my mom led to addiction, which she ultimately ended up losing her life. Um, mm-hmm. when I was 22 and I ended up running to Thailand thinking somehow, you know, I'd find myself, like I wrote it in my journal and I was like, I really like, I'm scared. I'm scared of myself. I'm scared of my anger. I'm scared of what I'm doing. I have notes in my phone being like, I'm not going to make it to 25 with the way that I'm living. Like I'm so afraid of who I am, but I can't stop. And I didn't have the vocabulary I have now. I didn't have any of this. Like I was just responding to life and reacting to it. Um, and I thought I'd find myself, but really what I did is repeated generational trauma. I got into domestic violence. I got into addictions of my own. You know, I was hospitalized, brain bleed, broken ribs, like entire body beat and bruised for two years. And I was sitting on a balcony. I was 24. I just had a physical altercation with my partner and I was contemplating taking my life because I was like, I just can't, like, I can't, like I, I had no other I didn't know anything else. I'm in a third world country. I'm disconnected from my family. I'm 45 pounds underweight. I'm chronically ill. I haven't had a period in, at that point, four years. It went on for six months. Like my body was just shutting down. And I was like, yeah. I just can't. And for some reason, I got the hit that, you know, it's not that I wanted to die. It's just I couldn't keep living this way. And this has guided me through my entire journey and still does to this day is that one day I'm going to have a daughter. Mm. What do I want to tell her about this? Mm. And that carried me through when I got myself off that. And I would love to say that was like my wake up healing moment. But I sat down with a friend and because I had such an intense eating disorder at that time, because that's the way that I was coping. It was like, let me just abuse my body and take it out on my body. Plus the copious amounts of drugs I was consuming. Don't make you very hungry. And I, she's like, why don't you go learn about food? And I did. And people saw me getting healthy. But instead of healing my trauma, I just created a new identity. And I see this a lot mm. in entrepreneurship. A lot of women yes. do this. It's like, I'm trying to prove that I'm not that person in myself anymore. So like I said, in the beginning of this, I became a perfectionist and mm. I got very orthorexic, mm. which is becoming, it's an eating disorder where you're hyper obsessed with health food and health trends and all this stuff. Mm. And it was scary. And my body, no matter how healthy I was eating, was shutting down. And I remember going to my naturopath and she's like, do you want to talk about how your trauma is related to this? And this is how disconnected I was. I was like, what trauma? Like I didn't get the fact that like, girl, you have scars across your whole body, your mother, your family, the sexual, like there is, what do you, what do you mean? What trauma? But like, I wasn't open to receiving it. And I know Mm. that's a lot of like, what do you mean? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I bypassed that whole thing. And for a year, I kept doing cleanses on cleanses on cleanses and obsessing about it and all this stuff until I was delivering a workshop. It was my 26th birthday and I was delivering a seminar for like 200 people. And I had eight months ago gotten this rash on my back. And because it was my entire backside of my body, that was super painful, so uncomfortable. I could hide it. So I was like, mm-hmm. it's fine. No one knows. This thing had crawled up my armpit onto my face and 
I couldn't smile and I was trying to, I was delivering this workshop on health. The gut brain connection was my first business. And I was like, I am supposed to be the walking epitome of health. And like that little bird was on my shoulder being like from Penny, who was my naturopath at the time. I was like, oh shit, like I need to look at this. Like I need to surrender. I need to be in weight. I need to stop. Like I just need to stop and pivot and surrender to the Mm. fact that my body is trying to tell me like, just stop. And that's what led me to understanding trauma and you know, going back to, cause I'm a very left brain. I have to study anything before I can actually embody it, which yes. now I'm way better at it. Cause now I know, but at the first, like, I'm like, I'm just going to study it. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> I'm going to research everything. Exactly. I'm like, let's go yes. to school. Let's do these things. Yes. And I was like, it's not about doing, it's about being. And that took yes. me up until literally my breakup that happened a year ago where I was like, Oh mm. my God, we know so much and we can ace every exam and we can help so many people. But it's like, you need to be this. And this is what led me to somatics and studying this and attachment theory and yes. all that kind of stuff. It's like, you need to be it. Like, and this mm-hmm. is, it's, it's a journey that's continuing because it's like it, every, every fucking chapter, there's something else, you know, but it, mm-hmm. it was this whole trial and error thing to get to the space that I am now. It's, I, I don't know what it was. Like, I really wish, and I was doing a lot of, um, I do brain spotting with my, my therapist and we were like, brain spotting. me too. It's fabulous. And like narrowing down this inner part of me, cause I'm meeting my 19 year old self now that had the sexual assault. And she's like, but how do we survive? And I literally have no answer. Cause I'm like, I don't know. We just had this mm-hmm. fire inside that was just like, there's gotta be more. There's gotta mm-hmm. be more in something. And like, you know, I learned how to love through watching romantic comedies. And I like had this whole story in my head. And of course, some of them are twisted and whatever. But like, I had to retrain my nervous system from watching and like, I truly believed in that. And I know I knew that was available to me. So I just kept trying and through that finding myself and it, I realized the biggest thing, long story long, it was never (laughs) about fixing me. It was about remembering who I was before any of this shit fucking happened. And really embodying that, even though it's quirky and weird and like all the parts of me, like I had this obsession with somehow like maybe I could figure out gene keys and human design and all these different parts and somehow fix the parts of me that I deemed unlovable. And really what this whole journey has been is remembering who I was before all of this stuff and coming home. Mm. Thank you for sharing that beautiful long story of resilience and also I think just an opening to truth, you know, trauma healing or healing in general from trauma, whatever, is about, I think, a lot of acceptance that there, our body knows the way, we can't do it alone, and that there is a path that doesn't have to be so hard. You know, it's, you went from one hard to a different hard. Uh, and I think it's, it makes sense. You know, our frontal cortex loves to be in control. She's a big fan of having all the answers and solutions to problems before the problems occur. Intellectualization is a common response to trauma because we feel better. For a bit of time, you feel better. You feel powerful. You don't feel powerless. Um, A lot of times children who have experienced trauma, and when I say children, I mean under the age of 20, right? Like children who have experienced trauma, the, the most like profound feeling that sticks with them, that they're constantly reacting from is powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Like there just isn't this capacity to have any sort of empowerment in those moments. And so they search for it wherever they can. And this is why 
trauma responses happen. This is why eating disorders happen. This is why abusive relationships happen, right? We look out, we look for circumstances subconsciously that will help us have a different conclusion to the same problem. And so if we don't allow as adults ourselves to really step into the space of awareness that all of these things were done for a reason in the past, we can look at them lovingly and say enough, and then find that place of joyful innocence and reclaim what we came onto this earth with, which is this desire for fulfillment and peace and ease and love and joy, because it is there. It didn't go away. Our nervous system just adapted to the world at the time, but it's not that world anymore. We're not in that circumstance anymore. So we have to like update our nervous system to get there. And newsflash, our nervous system doesn't update just with a thought. <laughs> Wish it did. That would be so much easier. I have a new thought. I am eternally abundant. Money trauma gone. Boop, 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 boop. Right? Put it on a note and put it on my laptop and therefore everything should change. Thank you. My belief system has shifted. All will be right with the world. Um, <laughs> that would be amazing. Life would be different. Um, yeah. Your nervous system needs evidence. And this is what you've been doing for the last six months. This is what I'm hearing you say is you're giving your nervous system evidence that you are safe to surrender and that you are safe with yourself. You know, the world is always going to create situations that make us feel unsafe. It always, it's always going to happen. We drive a car. It's like the most unsafe thing you could possibly imagine doing ever in your life is drive a car. <laughs> we do it every day pretty, but you give yourself evidence over and over and over again that you're going to make the choice that's best aligned with your true health and healing you begin to trust yourself again, and then you can reclaim that part of you that you lost long ago. And I love yeah. that your journey has led you to this space, and you get this incredible relationship yeah. to really deepen into. It's, that's magic, Laura. That's yeah. magic. I know. And it's it's honestly, and I see this with clients, I see this in my work, it's like when you do that work, your relationships are always a mirror, right? Mm. And it's not relationships mm -hmm. perfect it's not to say like even my best friend like we activate each other it's like it's any type of relationship but it's always mirroring to you the parts of yourself that need a little bit more tender love and attention and if you can do that without being triggered and it's not to say your triggers aren't going to happen but that makeup period after where you're like oh shit that was my like seven-year-old self that was my 19 year old self that was my 22 year old yes. self my bad my bad let me go work on that <laughs> like i take radical ownership over that because that's the thing right it's it's what society calls self-sabotage sciences call mm -hmm. self-protection that's like what you just described it's like when you Correct. can grasp that part it's like there is nothing wrong there's nothing that needs to be fixed. You are a flawed human being, my baby lover. Like that is okay. And yeah. can you accept that? That it's like, there are parts mm -hmm. that we get to mold and play with and like we get to not shame away. And this is a big thing that I've been learning on my journey. And I'm sure you can attest to as well, where it's like the parts that we deem unlovable are actually the part, like I did that where I was like, I thought I needed to be perfect. And this is what I was talking about in the last six months where I was like, I thought I needed to be perfect. I literally just created this new identity that I shut off that 22-year-old mm. that got me in that stickle pickle, that 19-year-old yes. that got me in that other problems, that 16-year-old that literally mm -hmm. gave all of her parents PTSD. Like I just shamed and pretended it didn't exist. But the thing is, she's still running the show if you don't give her attention. And it's she not sure to say is. she isn't there. Exactly. And it's not to say that she isn't there. And it's funny because now I have this language where even my mm -hmm. clients have this, where it's like, oh, who are we responding from right now? And it's like, mm, my 16-year-old. Like, and, yeah. and like, you can have language around this. And it's not to say 
say they're gone. It's just identifying that they're there and they, then they don't have so much control over you anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it comes from, oh, there's my protection. Okay, how can I give you some safety right now? How can I come in with capital S self and really have these conversations so that you're no longer stealing the show or self-sabotaging or causing fights and saying shit that you don't fucking mean? Like really stepping into your power of creating safety within your nervous system because your nervous system, it is plastic. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you are. If you don't apply heat, you will be this way. But if you apply heat, you get to completely revitalize who you know yourself to be mm-hmm. and to step into your power and to soften and to open yourself up and to create this new legacy. And this is why my biggest mission, it's like around generational trauma. It's not even, it's yeah. not even about you. It's about your kids and the kids and the kids and the, like the generations after that. It's like, yes. it's the it's the change makers. Like that's where the mission really stems from is like who benefits in your life by you leaning into the discomfort of shifting your nervous system. Cause it's not comfortable. Not gonna lie. Cause you are become aware of a lot of shitty things that you've done in your life. Like it's like, yes, yes you, 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 do. Just, <laughs> you just have to kind of sit in that, but like it's the big why. And it's like witnessing like, oh, like there's that sneaky little protector manager part of myself again. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. How can I soften the blow of this? How can I give a little bit more love? How can I relax a little bit and open my body? Because again, how you started it was like your body will always tell you, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes we're so disconnected from this that we're trying to bypass it with freaking intelligence and being like, well, I know everything I know about trauma. So obviously- (laughs) we're good. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad you can list it off to me, but like, can Mm -hmm. you actually feel it in your body and feel okay feeling Mm -hmm. shame right now? Are you okay holding that weight in your body to actually release it? And like, that's the somatic sides Mm -hmm. of this stuff that actually starts to mold your nervous system. What are your favorite somatic modalities to work through this, these processes? Um, Honestly, I love dancing. Like it's one of the things like- it's, I just was doing it. I was like, my body couldn't cry today, but it's like feeling like it wants to because I'm hormonal. And I was like, okay, so how are we going to get this out? And it was like, let me just move and dance and express in a way, which like, if you would have told me that a year ago that I would be saying that, I would be like, what? <laughs> that was not me. It was very like, I'm like therapy and journaling, but like that doesn't help. That's not somatics. I, if I'm feeling rage, I love a good scream. Like sacred rage is my fucking jam. Mm. Like I love it. Mm-hmm. so much and it doesn't even have to be for anyone listening because my best friend is this way where she's like i'm not gonna fucking scream into a pillow or scream in my car and i was like it's like an orgasm i definitely recommend it but sure whatever you can do it in your third eye as well like you can visualize your, your body doing that if you don't yet feel comfortable actually expressing it but getting that rage out like to be comfortable with your rage mm. you're a fucking you're a woman you have a rage or a volcano like it, it, the problem is we keep erupting and hurting people but if you can actually make peace with this rage inside of you it's really beautiful um i love working out as well like if i need to stretch my nervous system like hot mm-hmm. yoga just like instead of hitting the thing about trauma that i see a lot of people doing is we talk about trauma too much we're very stuck mm-hmm. in order without actually getting a regulated nervous system to hold it. So I was seeing this when I was in 12 steps and I would leave being even more triggered. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Or I'd be in therapy and I'm like, I'm even more Mm -hmm. triggered. And the problem was my body was just circulating these hormones around because Mm -hmm. I didn't yet stretch my nervous system to hold it. And you can do this through hot yoga, like, because you're holding hard poses and showing your nervous system, you can hold hard things. This is why cold plunges are very popular. This is why meditation is so popular because you're sitting in discomfort and showing mm-hmm. your body to hold discomfort. So doing these things before even touching the trauma and the origin story yes. and things like that, I think are really foundational. And that's that's where the somatics comes in, right? Or like focusing or brain spotting, like I said. Like I practice focusing 
with my clients. And that means, you know, we're aware of this felt sense in our body. Cause yes. a lot of us, and this is what I mean when you're saying like, and you probably see this with your clients where they're like, I'm just feeling something. And they're like pointing to their chest, mm-hmm. but they can't describe it. And the only way they can describe it is through a, a metaphor. That's your felt yes. sense. When you can hold yes. that felt sense in your body, that even though it's uncomfortable, it's the sense in your body and you kind of let it pass through and you realize your body can hold it and really identifying these things. So it's, it's just a few, but those are things that I use mm. almost daily. <laughs> no, I love it. And they're so tangible. Like I think people, when they think somatic, if you know what the word somatic means, but like when they think of processing trauma, they do think of this clinical space. Yeah. And sure, EMDR is amazing. Somatic experience is amazing. Brain spotting is amazing. Those are all things you do with a therapist. Like, yes, yes, yes. All those things are great. Um, and they do stretch your nervous system to a degree. But first comes the relationship. First comes the relationship with your body and getting comfortable with the relationship with your body. Breath work for me is, I think, top of the list. Also sits in discomfort and you can kind of go from like, this is nice and peaceful to like, oh my goodness, I'm having like a, you know, transcendental experience. Like, you know, you can go from these levels, but it's remembering that our body is wise. It's returning to the mechanisms that are already built within us. One of my favorite things I ever learned in all of my trauma training was, um, do you know who Peter Levine is? Mm -hmm. I actually just studied with him inside of my program. Yeah. Yes. So Peter Levine, Amazing. And he, you know, he's kind of the founder, if you will, of somatic trauma work. And he, in his research, in his early research, he was really looking at why human beings in particular have more PTSD than actual animals, right? And other mammals. And it is because we stop the process that's natural in our nervous system from happening. And it's our frontal cortex, right? Like we, we, we don't necessarily choose to stop it. It just, it, we stop it. And we get to relearn how to naturally do this using what is available to us, what is free, what is provided by the earth. Like this doesn't have to be, I'm going to go to trauma healing retreat for six months and then I'll come back. You know, I see that too. Like people will spend tens of thousands of dollars to heal their trauma, but not actually sit with their body. And I'm like... Like you exactly. just have to start with like breathing, please. Exactly. And, and so I love, you know, this tangibility of it, I think is important for people to hear. It is easier than you think. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't believe us, I want you to stop right now. And I want you to just notice how you're actually breathing. Like just for a hot second, I want you to actually notice, are you taking a breath in? Are you breathing it all the way out? Or are you breathing like this? Like, how how are you doing right now? And even just the moment of tapping into that, I think you'll realize how disconnected we can be from our body so quickly. Mm, I love it. That. Happens. I mean, it happens. It happens instantly. Literally. And that's it. It's constantly like it, people are like, oh, what's your morning routine? What are the things? Da, 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 da. Mm. I'm like, literally a body scan first thing in the morning. What do you yep. need? What do you feel? What's the one mm. thing you need because of what you feel in your body? It's not this like extraordinary thing. It's just you start to treat yourself like someone you love and care about mm. as opposed to someone you're trying to fix and bypass with all this stuff, mm. this 
this pop psychology that we see on the internet nowadays. <laughs> We're like trying to diagnose and put ourselves in a box so somehow we can feel like we belong. And it's like, all you gotta do is breathe. Like I, me and one of my friends, Steph, make a joke. It's like, literally, I think I healed my trauma by staring at trees because it's just like this like grounding. I feel my feet on the floor and like, oh, I'm so present. Like I'm just in like awe of these like beautiful trees that I'm surrounded by. Like it's not this. And like, I, I make this joke too, where it's like, the way I got through my breakup so quickly, not quickly, but like duality of like falling in love and healing my heart and like, you know, like the way it happened, it was just wild. But the way I did it was because I broke all my rules and I would go clubbing again, but not like getting drunk and like doing all my things of my old self. I would just be dancing on the dance floor, which like you don't yes. get a lot here in Texas. So it was like I would find one place and I would just like let my body rip like it used to at festivals. And I like mm. now I know what I was doing, but I can think back to my time when I was like, you know, uh, going through and healing through domestic violence. And I got really into festivals and that, that's the part where mm. I came, felt like I came alive and I was like, oh because you were moving your body like you were getting yes. these things out and you were just like being a wild thing and like moving and like at the mm -hmm. time I wouldn't have had the language around that but if you can look at it it's like it doesn't have to be anything like extraordinary and like sitting down and like you know I get hit with those ads for like breath work where like people are like screaming in the floor and I'm like I mean that <laughs> yes. seems very sexy to me like I'm like <laughs> I love that shit but if you hit me even a year ago with that I'd be like no like I, I'm good. <laughs> my trauma in me I'm good but like it's it's the edge like what's your edge is it yes. dancing is it is it learning to even like when you feel anxiety and you're you're have fight fight freeze like that's what you're mm -hmm. like um Levine talks about that it's like we don't shake it off like we just store it in our body where animals they Correct. shake it off a really good they book do. is um what is it waking the tiger within that's mm -hmm. one of his books it's like it's where can you shake it off so like sometimes even yes. when I'm feeling anxious like I even label it in Strava I'm like this is my anxiety run because it's like sometimes I'm like I just need to go like run I need out of my body now yes. like it's like it sounds ridiculous but it's like it doesn't have to be this prescription you're sitting down in a white office and they're like how does that make you feel it's like I want to punch something okay, go punch something, go punch a fucking yes. pillow. Like no one cares. Like, look, if you live alone, go do it. If you're in your room, like tell your husband, wife, whatever. I mean, like, just give me a minute. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in the room right now and I'm going to punch a pillow. I'm going to yell. Like it gets to be whatever you make it. And just kind of playing in that realm of release, baby. It's just like mm. release it in some type of way. <laughs> I love watching my children do this and learning from them. Oh, yeah. When I was a like teacher, this was a fascinating thing. It's like, oh, they are, they fully, they go right for it. You know, like there's no filter. I've got a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. My eight-year-old is starting to filter herself a little bit um, just because she becomes more aware of other people. But there's this, like, you know, I think what happened the other day, one of her pictures got wet that she worked really hard on. And my son put like a wet glass next to it and it like bled into the picture. And she hit the floor screaming and crying. And I was like, that's valid. That feels, I understand. You get it out, girl. Scream and cry. That's really shitty that that happened to you. Yeah. You know, and then she's done and she's like, well, okay, I guess I can, you know, do another one or I can change it this way or I could, then she can engage her, her frontal cortex and be like, okay, there's a solution to this. This isn't an actual threat to my survival. But for a minute, it feels like that. And they let their bodies express it fully. And so they're not these little, stored beacons of trauma if they're in a safe space to process it. Let's just say that out loud. Yes. But this capacity to see this new generation who I think is being raised with healthier adults, mm -hmm. um, it's really cool to see them self-express 
with no shame and mm. how quickly they move through experiences that I would have held in my body for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. That's like my biggest fascination was like kids because I worked in like pre-K um, and kindergarten when I was in Thailand and just like how heart open they are and how they'll mm. feel something that and they'll throw themselves on the ground and they'll cry. And I mean, Asian culture is a little different. They don't, they have less extremes than American kids. Yeah. It's very different, yeah. but it's funny that they feel it. And then, you know, a minute later they forget they're playing, they're out they're mm-hmm. doing things. And I would always just watch them or I would like watch my niece and she's just like, you know, moving her body and the exploring mm-hmm. and learning and, like her body and how she wants to express it. And it's just like, ugh, what a gift these little chicken nuggets are you know (laughs) yes yes no I completely agree I completely agree it's beautiful to witness and I think like you said this is why you're doing what you're doing you're creating generational change and healing legacies really and so I love I love it I love what you're doing I love the work that you've done and to meet another leader who has actually done the work is really important I'm not saying that all leaders haven't I'm just saying, like you said, they, they've taken on another identity of the leader, of the CEO, but when it comes to the body-based work, they haven't done it. And so unfortunately, they're, they're kind of stuck at that spot and they bring people to that stuck point and then we're all stuck, right? So you are somebody who is leading the way through that stuckness and I really, really appreciate you being out in the world with me. Thank you. And this message. <laughs> Laura, t- tell us. Tell us what is going on in your world. How can people find you? What are you offering? Tell us all the things. All things. Like I'm not going to list it off because it will be overwhelming. But just come <laughs> hang out. I feel like there's a new thing like every week. So come hang out over on Instagram. My personal one is it's Laura Patricia Martin. So ITS Laura Patricia Martin. And then our podcast is Healing Too Happy. And that's another Instagram page. But yeah, you will hear me talking about something with some cool marketing like Coco said earlier. <laughs> Yes. Oh yes. So um, yeah, just come hang out. You'll probably get a message from my team and then we'll go from there. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I cannot wait to see what you are bringing into the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today to be inspired, to be seen And to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. Look at the show notes for more information. Like and subscribe and share with friends if you feel inspired to. And as always, let the rest burn. Mm -hmm.